Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome in Tuesday, September 13th edition of the show. I am, in fact, your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Ooh, and we got a lot to talk about. Uh, contest winner, Top Picks, I believe was the name there. Uh when you guys want me to read out your name on who wins the the picks contest, uh, go on and put like an actual name or like a Twitter handle or something like that. Because uh, I mean, what what do we? I, nobody knows who Top Picks is. I mean, my gosh. Anyway, all right, lots lots to get into. Uh, the show, of course, is powered by BetUS. They are America's premier online sports book. Of course, make sure that you go and check them out. They are where the game begins. BetUS.com, and of course. BetUS TV. That's right. I'm on Three Dog Thursday again this week after going two and one over the weekend. So I survived again three straight weeks on TJ Reeves' show on BetUS TV. Also, the BetUS College Football Show is rolling right along. Went 12 and four overall last week between myself, Kyle, and Parker. Pretty good start to the season. I believe the overall record is 26 and 11 through week zero, one, and two. So, over 70% against the number, not too shabby. Not too shabby. So go check those out. There are links in the description for those. Make sure and check them out. All right. Uh, after that, my goodness gracious, let's go on and dive into it because we got some things to talk about. Uh, Going to try and make it a little bit shorter show today. Don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do appreciate it. Hey, go ahead and like the video while you're watching. Go ahead and like the video. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Of course, we are reaching ever closer to that 7,500 goal. So go ahead and hit the subscribe button as well. And, of course, uh, hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when, we, uh, when I go live, at least. Uh, I go live on Sunday mornings. So these shows are pre-recorded just whenever I can do them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Of course, with all of the other obligations that I fall into, I want to make sure that they go out at the same time every single week. But Sunday mornings, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, we do our recap and reactions to the week, and it is always a good time. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed following along for that. Had quite a few viewers last week, certainly enjoyed it. So, gentlemen and ladies, Scott Frost was officially fired as the head football coach at Nebraska. Now, there are a lot of different things that you can go into about this. Uh, the fact that the buyout drops on October 1st 
or would have dropped on October 1st from $15 million down to $7.5 million. You had to get through two more games with Scott Frost as the head coach. And and maybe this is a bit uh, financially egregious to do this. This is just waving it in everybody's face that, hey, we have money. We have all the money. We can do whatever we want to do with this. Uh, it, it does maybe send out a signal to other coaches that, hey, we've got enough money here. We are going to spend. We are willing to spend if you guys can come in and make this a legitimate college football job. If you can make us a contender, we are willing to spend the money in order to do that. Now, there's the other side of this that it's Scott Frost is a native son. He played at Nebraska. He did all of these amazing things as a player here. We don't want there to be hard feelings, so we're not going to make him wait in the wind for three more weeks. Uh, two more games, because there was a bye week in there, but three more weeks and and just leave him out there because everybody knows that this is done. Right? Uh, there's the other side of this that maybe you do as an athletic director and the rest of the coaching staff, you do believe in these players. You do think that there's a chance that they could salvage the season and that Scott Frost was the problem, right? Maybe that's the situation. Um, and let's let's go on and pull this up. Uh, Ravi Lula, that was on the show last week, talked about it. He said a lot of people wondered why I was so adamant that Frost wasn't going to turn it around, and it's because I started hearing things like this fairly regularly. It's also why I was convinced the root problem was accountability from the top down. This thing is broken beyond repair. Now, I, I'm going to play this. Uh, it's Heard at Sports. All right, go and check them out at H-U-R-R-D-A-T Sports. At Listen to their interview with uh, Michael Severe. I, I hope that's how you pronounce the name um, because all, all I've done is listen to... Um, <laughs> all I've done is listen to the interview and it is... It, he hits on a lot of points here. I mean, it's really, really important stuff as to why Scott Frost was fired here. That There's so much. If somebody really wants to write a book about this tenure, it would be, first of all, it would allow Trev to walk away and go, this is why. Because he can't talk about that stuff. Right. He can't talk about his head coach being late for practice every day. He can't talk about his head coach not making recruiting phone calls. He can't talk about And I can talk about it, you know, because it's over. But there's a whole bunch of stuff. There was a mess up there. It was an absolute, you had assisting coaches going to the athletic department and saying, the AD and going, hey, this is happening. Help us. That should not happen. You should not have to have your assistant coaches complaining about your head coach because he's not doing what he wants to, what's supposed to be doing. That's an issue. And so hopefully somebody writes all that down and puts it in a little book and sells it. Um, so that'll be, that way Trev can go. It wasn't about the losses. It was about everything, right? This guy was not, for whatever reason, committed to doing what he was supposed to do as the head coach in Nebraska. I don't know why. I don't know why, but he hasn't been. And I'm talking, not just talking about this year after they forced him to make changes. I'm talking about the, every year he's been in here. Every year he's been here, it's been stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if you want to go around, there's stories all over, the, all over Lincoln about things that he did or didn't do that he was supposed to. This is, this is a lack of commitment on his part. He wanted to be the head coach. He wanted to make the money, but the commitment to everything else was not there. And that is a distinct problem. Now, it does make you wonder about uh, these guys that start off, because uh, remember, he came to Nebraska coming off of a giant 12-0 and season at Central Florida, 
how much of his, well, 13 and 0, excuse me, uh, they claimed a national title. They did all these different things. Like he, and his career skyrocketed because he had a, a brief NFL stint, uh, was a wide receivers coach at Oregon, then became the OC for one season, then got the head coaching job at UCF, and in two years took them to an undefeated regular season and a big time New Year's Six Bowl win over Auburn, right? All of this happened so fast. When you get to your dream job, where you went to school, and you are the head guy, and you are in charge of turning that thing around, it maybe, it, and we're not—it's not an ego thing necessarily, but maybe it came so easily at UCF that you didn't believe that you had to commit to all these different things, right? And so I'm—I'm I'm curious about that. I. The whole thing, and this this brings up a very interesting point uh, over on Reddit, right? And I know some of you laugh at me for checking out Reddit, but my gosh, they are they are on top of this stuff. Uh, this is something that I was actually trying to put together, and I talked to uh, Ravi about this last week. AAC coaches, when you have more talent than the other teams in that conference, there is a huge disparity uh, in G5 conferences between the haves and the have-nots, sometimes even more so than in Power 5 conferences. But when you look, Tom Herman went 22-4 and at Houston and then went 32-18 and at Texas. And it didn't work. He got fired. Josh Heupel, UCF 28-8. and He's already got six losses at Tennessee. Now, yes, it's a different world, but he's, he's doing okay at Tennessee, but we'll see. Mike Norvell at Memphis, 38-15. and So far, he is 10-13 and at Florida State. Scott Frost, 19-7 and at Central Florida. He went 16-31 and at Nebraska. Chad Morris, same thing. Now at SMU, it took him a little while to build it. Uh, and he didn't reach like the super highs of winning a conference or anything like that, but 14 and 22, and then he went to Arkansas and went 4 and 18. Temple, for Matt Rule, 28 and 23, he went 19 and 20 at Baylor. Now, yes, he did build up Baylor, and that was a little bit of a different issue, but he went 19 and 20 overall. It wasn't an immediate turnaround. Willie Taggart, uh, South Florida, 24 and 25 overall. He goes to Oregon for one year, 7 and 5, goes to Florida State, and he's 9 and 12. Jeff Collins, Temple, 15 and 10, goes to Georgia Tech, he's 10 and 26. Sonny Dykes at SMU, now the book is still out on this one. Now, Sonny Dykes did not do so well at Cal before that. Remember, he went G5, P5, and then back to G5, and now back to P5. So that's going to be an interesting one. Justin Fuente at Memphis, 26 and 23, and he built that thing up. He had two terrible years, then won the conference, and then had a really good season the next year. And uh, and then at Virginia Tech, 43-31, and 31, and ended up fired. Uh, I mean, just ridiculous. And so, 4 out of 10, like if you toss in Virginia Tech there. But, man, uh, it's tough. Because in AAC world, it's different. You can just out-recruit guys. You can out-recruit other teams. And you can just win based on talent. You don't have to know about scheme. You don't necessarily have to be committed to to the daily grind, right? Uh, you do at these Power 5 schools, at the Big Ten and SEC and whatnot. So uh, so we'll move on. Uh, we did talk about some of the coaching candidates, etc. last week. Uh, Lars Anderson says, News, I've never claimed to be a breaking news person, but here we go. Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell is the primary target of Nebraska AD Trev Albert. Sources tell me it is highly expected that Campbell will eventually be the next head coach of Husker football. Uh, okay. Like, yeah, this is... This is interesting. Like, I, I fully believe it, and and Ravi told us this last week. He thinks that Matt Campbell is the guy. 
and we'll see. But man, uh, very. I'm, I'm just I'm interested to see what they're going to be able to do because they have shown that they are willing to spend the money. Who can they draw? Right? Does Urban Meyer want to take a look at this? I don't know that I would necessarily recommend that, but I mean, at this point, you got to find somebody that's willing to build a culture, and that's what we're looking for. That's what Nebraska fans are looking for. So, all right, moving on from there, and let's dive into, oh, yes, what is going on at Texas A&M? What in the world is happening with Jimbo Fisher's program? You lose to App State last week, 17-14, to and the offense looks dreadful, and the defense isn't able to get stops. App State ran over 80 plays. They held the football for over 40 minutes in the game. Couldn't get the stops that they needed when they needed them. It, it, they didn't give up a ton of points, but it was very clear that App State knew exactly what they needed to do to win, and Texas A&M could not get out of their own way. And now you have players that are just acting ridiculous, right? Um, let's uh, let's talk about this. Denver Harris, uh, the five-star cornerback. Um, I'm going to go on to pull up what he was doing, and I'm I'll go ahead and actually mute this. Uh, but my gosh, uh, he's <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. Uh, he's driving around in a parking garage at super high rates of speed, not slowing down, just driving insanely recklessly. And and this is after the game, right? This is, you know, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't know why I, players are acting like that. You've, you've got players that are on the Texas A&M team that are liking tweets about, um, about how the scheme... Like they've got the players at Texas A&M, but the scheme is wrong. That's this is not good. You got one loss already on the season, two games in, and as you, I'm sure you've heard other people talk. The schedule is brutal. You've got Miami, you got Arkansas, uh, you got whoever else, and then Alabama after oh Mississippi State, and then Alabama, and then you got South Carolina. It doesn't get easier. Like App State's a good team, but they are nothing compared to what some of these teams are that you're about to play. And if you don't find a quarterback, you got some major issues. So Jimbo Fisher, of course, is asked about this. And Dave Wilson over at ESPN, uh, the headline says, relinquishing play calling duties, something Texas A&M Aggies coach Jimbo Fisher could evaluate if struggles continue. If they continue? Like, uh, what are we talking about here? It says, uh, uh, after a woeful offensive performance and a 17-14 loss to App State, one of the biggest upsets in Texas A&M history, Aggies coach Jimbo Fisher was asked on Monday if he would consider relinquishing play-calling duties. And his response was, in time, I would. Possibly could. You always evaluate those things. I, this is, so he was asked if his ego would prevent him from letting go. He said, no, I'm always about whatever it takes to win. Winning takes all effect over everything. I promise you that. What what are what world is Jimbo Fisher living in? Like Josh Pate on Late Kick had an incredible analogy, basically holding up uh, an old milk carton or milk jug and said, "If this expired in 2014, you would throw it away." And Texas A&M's offense expired in 2014, and yet Jimbo is still out there running it. 
He's still out there making you drink that milk that expired in 2014. And the player, and he talked all offseason about how they're making changes, etc. Bud Elliott has talked ad nauseum about the fact that they do not have explosive plays, that their offense does not lend itself for explosive plays. And Alabama, by the way, is running into some of the same stuff because Bill O'Brien's offense is too complicated. They are making it harder than it has to be. And that's exactly what they're doing at Texas A&M. They make it harder than it has to be. It, it is absolutely absurd that they can't find simple plays to get good players in open space. This is not a difficult thing to do. You saw App State do it against North Carolina. You saw North Carolina do it against App State. It's not like App State's defense is world beaters because North Carolina was able to go up and down the field on them. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go the Phil Longo route, but there is a healthy balance between having an explosive offense and having an offense that can't move, where you get in your own way. And that's what's going on here. Uh, on top of that, I mean, my gosh, all the other stuff that's going on, um, this that Barstool Sports found out about, of course, uh, they posted the yell leader stuff that was going out, and they called App State a bunch of hillbillies, and half the guys on the team don't even know how to read the name on the front of the jersey, and blah, 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 right? It just a lot of trash talk, which Texas A&M has been doing forever. But the video got circulated. And I think Texas A&M actually made this worse. Because you see, the media has been disabled in response to a report by the copyright owner. That is a DMCA uh, request. Like, basically, DMCA, Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Anything that's online that you don't want online and you own the copyright for, which they do. It, I don't know why Texas A&M broadcasts the Yell Leader stuff, but they do. Uh, because it was put out there, now they're doing this, and they are getting blasted online for it. I mean, it is just brutal what they're going through. It's like the whole program is imploding at Texas A&M. Uh, there are ways that this can be fixed. It can be salvaged. They have got fantastic players. And I do still believe in Jimbo Fisher. But at some point, you have got to understand that football has modernized. And if you don't know how to run it, you better go hire somebody that understands how to do it. It doesn't matter about ego. You have seen programs adapt. Georgia Southern just went in and beat Nebraska by putting up over 600 yards of offense. That's a team that was a triple option team not that long ago. In two games, under Clay Helton, they figured it out. Like, go go watch games. Go watch other teams. Figure out a way to do this. It's not hard. Oh, it's so frustrating. So frustrating. All right, let's talk about Texas for a minute. This is not going to be a shorter show, is it? I can, I can already tell. Uh, what is next for Texas? Now, Steve Sarkeesian, of course, has already started off uh, with the the Nick Saban mantra of, you know, the Longhorns must avoid rat poison of their sudden praise and whatnot. And there are a lot of people that are talking very highly about Texas right now. But my goodness, you have got uh, just a slew of injuries. Three of the four quarterbacks are hurt. Uh, Hudson Card may be able to play, but man, he's hobbled. He was he was already injured and was still on the field against Alabama. So that was a bit of a situation there. Uh, Bijan Robinson 
shoulder injury, of course, was getting MRIs. Now, I don't know what the uh, final result of those is, uh, but obviously he's got some kind of an injury. You, the defensive back, Deshaun Jameson, I mean, my gosh, uh, just you, you've got dudes that are hurt all over the place. And one of the issues when you play against Alabama is always, will it hurt you the next week, right? If Texas has issues, it's going to be a problem this week because they're playing UTSA. Now, Jeff Trailer came out. He said uh, that he watched the Longhorn Crimson Tide tape and said, in my opinion, I'm not sure the best team won that day. Texas outplayed them. Now, obviously, when you are scheduled to play this team that week, you are going to speak glowingly. This is an old coach's trick. They've done it forever, forever, right? The line opened at 14. It's down to 11 and a half. Like that's, or excuse me, opened 13 and a half. It's down to 11. So two and a half points of movement. Um, part of that has to do with injuries. Part of that has to do with the situation because Texas really put up a fight against the number one team in the country. But look at this from Matt Brown. Congrats to Texas for becoming the ninth unranked team to lose a heartbreaker to the AP number one by a single point. Surprisingly, none of the previous eight teams went on to finish ranked. Now, North Carolina did it against Clemson, Minnesota against Penn State, Arizona against Miami, Kansas against Oklahoma, USC against Iowa, Mississippi State against LSU, Colorado against Oklahoma, and Minnesota against Michigan. The majority of these are a long time ago. North Carolina did it recently during the COVID season against Clemson, but you got to hope that Texas doesn't lose the locker room again. They did this last year in putting up an amazing fight against Oklahoma. And Sark has talked openly about just losing the locker room after that because they put everything they had into that one game and were not able to get them back after that. Is this team different? Now, you could venture out to say that eh, this wasn't necessarily an unranked team. They were ranked in the um, they were ranked in the coaches poll, etc. Right? There's a lot there, but it, it's I, I'm curious to see what they're going to do what they're going to look like because they put a lot of guts into that game last week against Alabama. And we got to figure out exactly what's going to happen. You know, I, I want to know what their resolve is. What what do they look like? All right, let's not get an ad. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Pac-12 TV deals along with uh, most valuable players, top five most watched games, NFL spread picks, etc. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College Football Channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit betustv.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And now... Back to the show. All right. Let's talk about the Pac-12 for just a minute. And, of course, John Wilner has written about the most important game in the Pac-12 this week, and it's not in the league. It happens to be in the NFL. Now, the Mercury News, of course, has this article up. It says... Pac-12 survival, Amazon's Thursday night NFL broadcast, could be a peek into the Pac-12's future. It says that the digital media giant is a potential partner for the conference. Now, this is this is a huge game, right? You got a Chiefs game, an exclusive NFL game, only available on Amazon Prime, and the numbers for the NFL so far this season have been mind blowing. I mean, they are massive numbers right now. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's go on and pull up. Uh, let's see. Okay, so the NFL Sunday night game, 23.9, or excuse me, 23.29 million. So 23.3 million viewers for the Bucks and the Cowboys. 19 million on Thursday night for over-the-air television, for NBC last week. Uh, and then, of course, your Fox NFL Sunday 425 p.m. Uh, window, which was... Nationally, I think it was Green Bay and the Vikings. 18.546 million. You got 17.387 million for the CBS 1 p.m. And then the CBS 4 uh, 30 p.m. is 16.61. I mean, you've got the lowest one was the Fox 1 p.m. slot, and that was over 12 million people watching. So can you get 10 million people to watch an NFL game on a streaming service. What will Amazon's numbers look like? And that's going to be the most important. Uh, because you, I think that we, we see how important it is that the Pac-12 is able to get in front of eyeballs. Now, one, there is a responsibility from the Pac-12 commissioner to make sure that you get the most money possible so that your brand can continue to grow, right? That's one thing. You want to make sure that your athletic departments are funded so that they can continue on. The other part is you got to make sure that people can find your games and that people will actually see you because while football is the front porch of any university, it doesn't help if you are out there somewhere where nobody can find your games. Go talk to CUSA about this. They did a deal with the NFL Network. Nobody watches the games. That's why they continue their deals with ESPN and why some people, the Mountain West, et cetera, do deals with CBS Sports, et cetera. Uh, ESPN Plus has not been a plus for teams that don't already have a built-in fan base. 
right? Does the Pac-12 have enough of a viewership, enough of a fan base in order to bring in somebody like Amazon and still be able to continue that growth, still be able to get out in front of people? Does Amazon actually put you in front of more people? That's a question. How well is Amazon going to promote their product? So you got to find a lot of things out about this NFL game on Thursday night. Uh, and, and they need it, right? Because here's our issue. Coming up in week four, USC at Oregon State. What looks to be a battle of two undefeated teams, so long as USC can get through Fresno State, this looks like it's going to be on Pac-12 Network. Nobody has the channel. Like, it's absolutely absurd that we keep running into this. Now, part of that is because the main networks, ESPN and Fox, want to save USC for later in the season if they end up in some kind of a playoff hunt, right? They want them in games that matter more than this one uh, against Oregon State. But you're telling me that there's not a storyline here for ESPN2 or ESPN, you know, whatever? Like, why why in the world is Lincoln Riley's first trip to Corvallis against a seemingly undefeated Oregon State team, how is that not going to be on ESPN or Fox or FS1 or ESPN2? How how in the world are we at this position? It's because of the Pac-12 deals in the past, but man. So John Wilner, of course, in this article, talks about the fact that sources have told him that George is focused on digital which you can see right down here that is uh, that's highlighted. It says it wasn't a reference to ESPN+. Klyovkov hinted at that possibility during the Pac-12's preseason kickoff event in late July, explaining that a deal with one of the major digital media companies was, quote, highly likely. Now, Amazon, of course, was very interested in the Big Ten rights, but those are built-in fan bases. How much of a built-in fan base do you have with the remaining Pac-12 school, Pac schools? What are the 10 schools that are in the Pac-12? How's that? Uh, it says that the comment was vague enough that it could have been taken as a reference to ESPN's digital arm or to it, to uh, Peacock, which is NBC, or Paramount, CBS, which are the other streaming services. Klyovkov hasn't uttered a public peep about his media strategy since then. But six weeks later, some clarity has emerged. A multi-year partnership with Amazon is under consideration. That's the deal. It says it's smart. Uh, they could get more money relative to their real media value with Amazon, a second source said. And that's the situation. If your media value is not that much, if ESPN and Fox are saying that eh, the Big 12 is actually worth more than you guys, so we'll offer you this much, but we've already spent the majority of our money on these other leagues, so we can't really offer you much, you're going to have to go with somebody else. And Amazon really wants to be in this live sports game, right? They put up a ton of money for the NFL. People are going to go find the NFL game, I would imagine. Will people go find the Pac-12 game? Are there enough people that turn on Amazon Prime Video or that go visit Amazon that will stumble across the game and keep it on? Are there enough of those that will actually do that to make the deal worth it, both for the Pac-12 and for Amazon? I'm very curious what the numbers will end up looking like for this because it's majorly important that the Pac-12 finds a way to stay financially relevant with all the different moves that are being made in realignment, for sure. All right, let's go through, I do this every single week, the top five most valuable college football players of the week based on uh, predicted points added per play. Now, we have got some interesting things, interesting, interesting names that I'm going to be throwing out here. So let's go on and dive into it. 
very quick read, of course. I just go through. Number one in the group of five, Old Dominion's Allie Jennings. Now, this is old hat for him. Uh, number two, Georgia State. Robert Lewis against North Carolina had a huge day. Uh, Louisiana Tech, Trey Harris. Now, you knew that somebody for Louisiana Tech was going to be putting up massive numbers in that Sunny Cumbie offense. Number four, Toledo, uh, Jerwan Newton. Now, he put up massive numbers for sure. And then number five, Colorado State, Torrey Horton. Uh, yes, that was a – and yes, they lost to Middle Tennessee State, but in that offense with Jay Norvell, you're going to have somebody that is putting up massive, massive numbers. As far as the P5 goes, uh, South Carolina had the number one player this week from a uh, predicted points added level. South Carolina's Antoine Wells, of course, transfer from James Madison. Big, big, big numbers for him. Uh, he helped keep them in the game, really. Ohio State, uh, let's see, Marvin Harrison Jr., that's no surprise there. Number three, Minnesota's Chris Altman-Bell. That is the next guy up, of course, for, uh, for Tanner there. Number four, Oregon State, Treshawn Harrison. And number five, West Virginia's Bryce Wheaton in a loss to Kansas. Uh, but they still put up huge numbers. I mean, 42 points uh, for that offense. You know, Bryce Wheaton did good things. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about the five most watched games. And I'm actually going to go all the way through seven on this one. But the most watched games from week number two. We actually have good numbers this go around. Number one, Alabama and Texas did 10.6 million on Fox. Now, that does not include the streaming numbers, but Fox did come out and publicize that it is the most streamed football game, period, college football or NFL, that they have ever had on the Fox Sports app. So, Alabama, Texas did huge numbers. Tennessee and Pitt, 4.457 million viewers for the overtime game there. Number three, Kentucky at Florida. Of course, another SEC team. You see a trend here, of course. 4.333 4.333 million, of course, for the 6 p.m. ESPN slot. Number four, this might surprise some people. Washington State going to Wisconsin did 3.92 million people. Now, part of that's because it was an upset. The other part might be because it was on Fox and the game followed Alabama-Texas, but it was incredibly surprising. Just incredibly surprising. Number five, USC at Stanford did a little under three, 2.961 million. Uh, that was on ABC. Marshall at Notre Dame came in number six. That's why I wanted to toss these two in here. 2.479 million people on NBC. And that is with no lead-in and no uh, that game not being a lead-in to another game, etc. It was a standalone spot. There were enough people that saw what was going on that Notre Dame might potentially lose this game, and they all turned on their TVs to go see what was going on. So, that's what upsets do. They, they bring more people to the table. Number seven, Baylor and BYU. That's right, in Provo, late night window, 10.30, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um, that's uh, 2.372 million people. Uh, I mean, biggest, biggest late night game that they've had in forever. Uh, here we go. Since 2016. 2.4 million viewers, the most since 2016 for a late-night window. And the Big 12, of course, shared it out because Baylor is already in the Big 12 and BYU will be in the Big 12 next year. But they said our future is bright. They're not wrong. They are, they are not wrong at all. So very interesting stuff there. Now, let's, uh, let's go on and do this right quick. I give out my NFL Super Contest Picks every single week on the show. 
I went two and three last week. Now, last year, I went 48 and 41 and one. I had one push. But I, I'm going to go ahead and put this thing out here. Um, I went two and three last week. And I'm going to be very quick with these. So let's go on and, and toss them out. The Colts at the Jags. I like the Jags plus four. I don't think they looked that bad against the Commanders last week. The Colts were favored by almost double digits against the Texans, and they ended in a tie in that game. Matt Ryan looked okay. Uh, the rest of the team, eh. The Colts are one and four against the spread of their last five against the AF, uh, excuse me, AFC South. However, they are 0-7 against the spread on the road at Jacksonville over the last seven years. So I will take the Jags to cover the four on this one. Next one for me, the Bucks at the Saints. Yes, the Saints didn't look great. Probably should have beaten the Falcons by more. I think the Falcons are a pretty good football team. A lot of people underrating them. The Bucks absolutely dominated the Cowboys. However, you look at the trends. New Orleans, 8-2 and two straight up, 7-3 and three against the spread uh, in their last however many, at last 10 at home against the Bucks. They are 3-0 and oh straight up and against the spread in the last three against the Bucks. They always find a way to beat Tampa Bay at home. They are a three-point dog. I will take the Saints in this one. The Vikings at the Eagles. Eagles are a two-point favorite here. These uh, lines, of course, are courtesy of BetUS. Uh, where the game begins, Minnesota 1-3 against the spread of their last four on the road. The Eagles 3-0-1 against the spread of their last four at home. I think this Eagles team is really good. I think Minnesota looked fantastic at home in a division game. I don't think the Vikings travel as well. So I will certainly look into the Eagles at two here. So I, th- I think the Eagles win the game. I think they cover. Uh, or they win this by more than a field goal. So yeah, I'm, I'm certainly going to take the Eagles minus the two here. Uh, the Falcons plus ten and a half at the Rams. Yeah, I don't think the Falcons are that bad. What we saw from the Rams last week, yeah. And I understand that the Bills are really really good, but there are flaws on that Rams team. I don't think they should be favored by double digits over anybody, and that includes the Falcons, who aren't great, but I think there's some pieces. And I like what Arthur Smith does. Chris and I used to talk on the show about the fact that Arthur Smith is a problem solver. He will be able to find holes in that defense for the Rams, and he'll be able to find ways to stop them. So I I, I like the Falcons plus the 10.5 here. Uh, I also like another double-digit dog here. The Texans going to Denver. Denver on Monday night. Looked like trash. My number on this was closer to 8. So I'm getting 2.5 points of value. I, I like the Texans. I like what they're doing right now. Like, you know, it's not a great team. Uh, and yeah, they could get blown out in this game. Denver could come off of that loss to the Seahawks and just be super irritated. But I tend to think that Houston's going to be able to stay in the game. Those guys fight. They really do. And they did against the Colts, for sure. Uh, so I expect them to do the same thing again here. But yeah, give me the Texans plus 10.5 at the Broncos. Uh, I don't I don't expect them to win the game. Same with the Falcons. But you're giving me... I mean, that hook there, 10 and a half? Yeah, I'm certainly going to take it. Those lines, of course, provided by BetUS, where the game begins. It's America's premier online sportsbook. Make sure you go and check it out. All right, let's hit this, and then we've got our college football viewing guide for week three on the other side. Let's check out some things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures, and you can follow Gary at GaryWCE. You can also follow on Facebook. Got your own podcast or web show, looking to start one, or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. If you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show too. 
subscribe on YouTube to get not only full Winning Cures Everything shows, but individual segments and other goodies as well. We're over 6,000 subscribers, and our goal by the end of the year is 7,500. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to Gary at winningcureseverything.com, and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. And now, back to the show. All right, the college football viewing guide for week number three. And let me go ahead and pull this up. Of course, you guys know, uh, and they're not sponsors of the show, but I really like what they have. Their product is really awesome. Uh, This is cfb.guide. Now, you can set up your own television guide over here. I'll go. Here's the way that I'm going to do this going forward. I'm going to tell you what is going to be on my main screen for all of the different time slots between Friday and Saturday, right? And then we'll get on here and we'll talk about the other games that I have an interest in. So, uh, as you see on the screen right there, you can look at every single game that is going to be on TV, whether on a streaming service or something else. I am going to jump in and do favorites only. And by doing favorites only, that shows you exactly what I will be watching on all of my different screens at different times, right? So, uh, on the main screen, I'm going to have, on Friday, Florida State and Louisville, for sure. Uh, Saturday, in the noon slot, I'm going to have Purdue at Syracuse on ESPN2. That is going to be my spot. And that's noon Eastern time, by the way. Uh, Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, Penn State at Auburn, because I know that there is going to be some crazy magical voodoo hijinks they go on inside Jordan-Hare Stadium and you all know it the same as well if anybody believes that there's not going to be between having Sean Clifford at quarterback and then having Auburn at home yeah there's going to be something crazy happen Uh, Saturday 7 p.m. time slot now this is an interesting one it's 7 30 p.m. Eastern but Michigan State at Washington on ABC is incredibly interesting to me that one with Kalen DeBoer as the coach. Remember, he was at Indiana not that long ago, and he had Michael Penix as his quarterback. So he knows a thing or two about the Big Ten. Michigan State, of course, coming west. You've already got injuries that you got to deal with with Michigan State, etc. We're going to cover this on the BetUS College Football Show on the Wednesday show. But there's questions for me about both of these teams. I'm very, very interested. Um, and then, of course, the Saturday, 10.30 p.m. slot Eastern, uh, Fresno State at USC. Looks like it could be dynamite. Absolutely dynamite. I'm excited about this one. So, uh, But when you look at what else is on the docket here, we have got some big-time things. Uh, BYU at Oregon on Fox as the same or at the same time as Penn State and Auburn. That's going to be fun. Cal going to Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman still looking for his first win. Uh, in that noon slot, Oklahoma and Nebraska. What is Nebraska going to look like post-Scott Frost? Was he the only issue? And then you've got Georgia at South Carolina. That's, uh, hey, I know that South Carolina's got a couple of defenders out, uh, but Williams-Brice still a really difficult place to play, and Georgia favored by 24 and a half. I mean, good gracious. At 5 o'clock Central, Mississippi State at LSU on ESPN. Yes, please. Like, sign me up for that one. I want to see Mike Leach go back in there. The last time State visited, they put up 632 yards off of a passing offense. K.J. Costello was crowned. That's going to be fun. Miami and Texas A&M. 
That one's an 8 p.m. Central Time, so 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, because Texas A&M coming off of a loss, that's going to be nuts. Kansas at Houston, 3 p.m. Central Time, that's going to be cool. Texas Tech at NC State, that's a 6 p.m. Eastern Time game on ESPN2. And then, of course, 7 p.m. on the Longhorn Network, 7 p.m. Central. You got Texas San Antonio going to Texas. Now, Texas coming off of that near upset of Alabama. UTSA, yeah, this this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. I'm excited about this. Uh, Hopefully, you guys are as well, because this looks like it might be a dynamite weekend again. Like, there, there is, if you just look at it from 1,000 feet out, it looks like it could just be a sleepy Saturday. Yeah, we don't really have a bunch of great matchups, whatever. You get something like this, and it is going to absolutely blow your mind some of the results that we will end up getting out of this. So, I am excited about it. It's going to be a good time. Hopefully, you guys are excited as well. I know I blew through that one pretty quick, but again, trying to go slower. Trying to go uh, shorter. Not slower, but shorter. The show brought to you each and every time out by BetUS. They are America's premier online sports book. Go and check out BetUS TV. BetUSTV.com. Uh, all the different shows that we're doing right now. I mean, we got fantastic stuff going on. The Three Dog Thursday show uh, with TJ Reeves. I have it, this is my third week on. I am rolling on that one, five and one against the spread in the last two weeks. So feeling good. Uh, hopefully, my allergies can hold up in the meantime. But uh, with that said, I think we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, you guys have been fantastic. Don't forget to go sign up for the picks contest. Uh, it will be up later this evening. Over on winningcureseverything.com, just go and sign up at the contest page there. Uh, but yeah, every week, somebody wins a $25 Amazon gift card, and you can win a $50 free play from BetUS, uh, or possibly a uh, football jersey of your favorite team. It's, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways that we can go about this, but uh, but lots of fun stuff. So make sure that you go and sign up. It's run by Run Your Pool. You can find it over at winningcureseverything.com slash contest. Very easy to do. So when you sign up, make sure that you check your email afterwards because I will be emailing you to get an address or an email address or whatever. So make sure that you're good to go. All right. I think that is going to cut it. You guys have been fantastic. Share the show out. Make sure that you like the video. Subscribe to the channel, of course. And, uh, and yeah, subscribe to the podcast as well. Like, go ahead and knock that thing out. I am, uh, I am excited about this week. Whew. There's going to be some fantastic games this week. Uh, don't forget about the Thursday show and, of course, the Sunday recap show. And with that said, you guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't 
win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 